0: Chapter the Fifth, Section Three and Four of the Secret Places of the Heart. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christopher Most. The Secret Places of the Heart by H. G. Wells. Chapter the Fifth, Sections Three and Four. Section Three in the evening after dinner dr martineau sought rather unsuccessfully to go on with the analysis of sir richmond but sir richmond was evidently a creature of moods either he regretted the extent of his confidences or the slight rational irritation that he felt at waiting for his car affected his attitude towards his companion or dr martineau's tentatives were ill-chosen at any rate he would not rise to any conversational bait that the doctor could devise The doctor found this the more regrettable, because it seemed to him that there was much to be worked on in this Martin Leeds affair. He was inclined to think that she and Sir Richmond were unduly obsessed by the idea that they had to stick together because of the child, because of the look of the thing, and so forth, and that really each might be struggling against a very strong impulse, indeed, to break off the affair. It seemed evident to the doctor that they jarred upon and annoyed each other extremely. On the whole, separating people appealed to the doctor's mind more strongly than bringing them together accordingly he framed his enquiry so as to make the revelation of a latent antipathy as easy as possible he made several not very well devised beginnings at the fifth sir richmond was suddenly conclusive it's no use he said i can't fiddle about any more with my motives today." an awkward silence followed on reflection sir richmond seemed to realize that this sentence needed some apology i admit he said that this expedition has already been a wonderfully good thing for me these confessions have made me look into all sorts of things, squarely. But I am not used to talking about myself, or even thinking directly about myself. What I say I afterwards find disconcerting to recall. I want to alter it. I can feel myself wallowing into a mess of modifications and qualifications. Yes, but— I want to rest anyhow. There was nothing for Dr. Martineau to say to that. The two gentlemen smoked for some time in a slightly uncomfortable silence— Dr. Martineau cleared his throat twice, and lit a second cigar. They then agreed to admire the bridge, and think well of Maidenhead. Sir Richmond communicated hopeful news about his car, which was to arrive the next morning before ten. He'd just ring the fellow up presently to make sure, and Dr. Martineau retired early, and went rather thoughtfully to bed. The spate of Sir Richmond's confidences, it was evident, was over. Section 4 Sir Richmond's car arrived long before ten, brought down by a young man in a state of scared alacrity, sir richmond had done some vigorous telephoning before turning in the charmeuse set off in a repaired and chastened to town and after a leisurely breakfast our two investigators into the springs of human conduct were able to resume their westward journey they ran through scattered Twyford, with its pleasant-looking inns and through the commonplace urbanities of Reading, by newbury and hungerford's pretty bridge and up long wooded slopes to the savernaki forest where they found the road heavy and dusty still in its wartime state and so down a steep hill to the wide market street which is Marlborough. They lunched in Marlborough and went on in the afternoon to Silbury Hill, that British pyramid, the largest artificial mound in Europe. They left the car by the roadside, and clambered to the top, and were very learned and inconclusive about the exact purpose of this vast heap of chalk and earth, this heap that men had made before the temples at Karnak were built, or Babylon had a name. Then they returned to the car and ran round by a winding road into the wonder of Avebury, They found a clean little inn kept there by pleasant people, and they garaged the car in the cow-shed, and took two rooms for the night that they might the better get the atmosphere of the ancient place. Wonderful indeed it is, a vast circumvallation that was already two thousand years old before the dawn of British history, a great wall of earth, with its ditch most strangely on its inner and not its outer side, and within this enclosure gigantic survivors of the great circles of unhewn stone that, even as late as the Tudor days, were almost complete a whole village a church a pretty manor house have been built for the most part out of the ancient megaliths the great wall is sufficient to embrace them all with their gardens and paddocks four crossroads meet at the village centre there are drawings of avebury before these things arose there when it was a lonely wonder on the plain but for the most part the destruction was already done before the mayflower sailed to the southward stands the cone of silbury hill its shadow creeps up and down the intervening meadows as the seasons change Around this lonely place rise the downs, now bare sheep pastures in broad undulations, with a wart-like barrow here and there, and from it radiate, creeping up to gain and hold the crests of the hills, the abandoned trackways of that forgotten world. These trackways, these green roads of England, these roads already disused when the Romans made their highway past Silbury Hill to Bath can still be traced for scores of miles through the land, running to Salisbury and the English Channel, eastward to the crossing at the Straits, and westward to Wales, to ferries over the Severn, and southwestward into Devon and Cornwall. The doctor and Sir Richmond walked round the walls, surveyed the shadow cast by Silbury upon the River Flats, strolled up the down to the northward to get a general view of the village, had tea, and smoked round the walls again in the warm April sunset. The matter of their conversation remained prehistoric, both were inclined to find fault with the archaeological work that had been done on the place. "'Clumsy treasure-hunting,' Sir Richmond said. "'They've into to Silbury Hill and expect to find a mummified chief or something sensational of that sort. And they don't, and they report nothing. They haven't sifted finely enough, and they haven't thought subtly enough. These walls of earth ought to tell what these people ate, what clothes they wore, what woods they used. Was this a sheep-land then, as it is now, or a cattle-land?' were these hills covered by forests i don't know these archaeologists don't know or if they do they haven't told me which is just as bad i don't believe they know what trade here came along these tracks so far as i know they had no beasts of burden but suppose one day someone were to find a potsherd here from early Naxos, or a fragment of glass from pepi's egypt the place had stirred up his imagination He wrestled with his ignorance as if he thought that by talking he might presently worry out some picture of this forgotten world, without metals, without beasts of burden, without letters, without any sculpture that has left a trace, and yet with a sense of astronomical fact clear enough to raise the great gnomon of Silbury, and with a social system complex enough to give the large and orderly community to which the size of Avebury witnesses, and the traffic to which the green roads testify. The doctor had not realized before the boldness and liveliness of his companion's mind. Sir Richmond insisted that the climate must have been moister and milder in those days. He covered all the downlands with woods, as Sabanaki was still covered. Beneath the trees he restored a thicker, richer soil. These people must have done an enormous lot with wood. This use of stones here was a freak. It was the very strangeness of stones here that had made them into sacred things. One thought too much of the stones of the Stone Age— who would carve these lumps of quartzite when one could carve good oak or beech a most carvable wood especially when one's sharpest chisel was a flint it's wood we ought to look for said sir richmond wood and fibre he declared that these people had their tools of wood their homes of wood their gods and perhaps even their records of wood a peat bog here even a few feet of clay might have pickled some precious memoranda no such luck Now, in Glastonbury marshes, one found the life of the early Iron Age, halfway to our own times, quite beautifully pickled. Though they wrestled mightily with the problem, neither Sir Richmond nor the doctor could throw a gleam of light upon the riddle why the ditch was inside and not outside the great wall. "'And what was our mind like in those days?' said Sir Richmond. "'That, I suppose, is what interests you.' a vivid childish mind i guess with not suspicion as yet that it was man ruling his planet or anything of that sort the doctor pursed his lips none he delivered judicially if one were able to recall one's childhood at the age of about twelve or thirteen when the artistic impulse so often goes into abeyance and one begins to think in a troubled monstrous way about god and hell one might get something like the mind of this place Thirteen. You put them at that already? These people, you think, were religious? Intensely, in that personal way that gives death a nightmare terror. And as for the fading of the artistic impulse, they have left not a trace of the paintings and drawings and scratchings of the old stone people who came before them. Adults with the minds of thirteen-year-old children. Thirteen-year-old children with the strength of adults, and no one to slap them or tell them not to. After all, they probably only thought of death now and then, and they never thought of fuel. They supposed there was no end to that, so they used up their woods and kept goats to nibble and kill the new undergrowth. Did these people have goats? "'I don't know,' said the doctor. "'So little is known.' Very like children they must have been. The same unending days. They must have thought the world goes on forever, just as they knew it, like my damned committee does." with their fuel wasting away and the climate changing imperceptibly century by century kings and important men followed one another here for centuries and centuries they had lost their past and had no idea of any future they had forgotten how they came into the land when i was a child i believed that my father's garden had been there forever this is very like trying to remember some game one played when one was a child it is like coming on to something that one built up with bricks and stones in some forgotten part of the garden the life we lived here said the doctor has left its traces in traditions in mental predispositions in still unanalyzed fundamental ideas archaeology is very like remembering said sir richmond presently we shall remember a lot more about all this we shall remember what it was like to live in this place and the long journey hither age by age out of the south we shall remember the sacrifices we made and the crazy reasons why we made them we sowed our corn in blood here we had strange fancies about the stars those we brought with us out of the south where the stars are brighter and what like were those wooden gods of ours i don't remember but i could easily persuade myself that i had been here before they stood on the crest of the ancient wall and the setting sun cast long shadows on them athwart a field of springing wheat perhaps we shall come here again the doctor carried on sir richmond's fancy after another four thousand years or so with different names and full of minds and then i suppose that this ditch won't be the riddle it is now life didn't seem so complicated then sir richmond mused our muddles were unconscious we drifted from mood to mood and forgot there was more sunshine then more laughter perhaps and blacker despair despair like the despair of children that can weep itself to sleep it's over Was it battle and massacre that ended that long afternoon here? Or did the woods catch fire some exceptionally dry summer, leaving black hills and famine? Or did strange men bring a sickness, measles perhaps, or the Black Death? Or was it cattle pest? Or did we just waste our woods and dwindle away before the new peoples that came into the land across the southern sea? I can't remember. Sir Richmond turned about. I would like to dig up the bottom of this ditch here, foot by foot, and dry the stuff and sift it very carefully. Then I might begin to remember things. End of chapter 5, sections 3 and 4 of The Secret Places of the Heart Read by Christopher Most